You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Good morning, Riverview. How good it is to be with you this Sunday morning. I'd like us to spend just some time this morning in Luke chapter 15. Now, I know most of you will know Luke 15 really well, and I suspect you're now assuming that this is going to be a straight gospel message with three different parables to show us the heart of God for lost sheep, lost coin, or lost son. The question is, which one? Well, I'm always pleased to preach the gospel, and these three stories definitely are a great starting point for us gospel message. But that's not exactly where I want to go this morning. So if you would turn with me please to Luke 15 and we're going to read the first two verses only because I really want us to look at the example Jesus gave and what it says to us in 2020 in the midst of pandemic when everything has changed and is changing in ways that we would never have thought possible, even church. So I'm reading Luke 15, 1 and 2 from the New International Version. And it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You know, the religious leaders were never kind in their words about Jesus. And the implication here is that because he associated with sinners, he must be just like them. It was guilt by association. I had a boss when I was deputy head in a school who used to say to the children who tried to plead, it wasn't me that did it, it was so-and-so, I was just there. And she would reply, if you fly with a cross, you get shot with a cross. So, watch the company you keep, children. But you know, Jesus was different. He was perfect in all his ways. He was always in the midst of sinners, People who sinned in thought, word and deed, that would be us all, because he wanted to help change. He he wanted to help them to repent. He wanted to help them ask for forgiveness. And he wanted to set them on the right road. He was never going to be influenced by them to do anything wrong. The religious leaders always had a lot to say about Jesus, and none of it was good. Let me give you three instances. So we've got this one. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. But if you turn then then to um, Mark 15 and verse 31, it says there, In the same way the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Or Matthew 27 and 63, this is them going to Pilate after the crucifixion. And here they go and they say, Sir, they said, We remember while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. Now, I think it's really hard for us to understand their words, because these were teachers of the law, the religious leaders. So how could they speak about anyone in the way they spoke about Jesus? We expect far more from church leaders, don't we? Well, why did they do it? Jealousy? Outrage that they may see people lower their opinion of them. They had status, they had influence. Do you know, if this upstart was to be believed, they would see a deterioration in their influence and control because he was talking about love, 
and relationship, about sins being forgiven, about guilt going, about a new start in life. You know, we look at it and we say it's utterly unbelievable because we know God is a loving God, a God of love. And yet the truth is, he's the same God. The truth is that in reality, God is kind and he's compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. But their image of God is very different because it's not about personal relationship with Father God. Their way only involves keeping rules, many made up by men and not from God at all. But you know, not recognising Jesus for who he really is, he's Messiah, has denied them so much. In fact, Jesus was there on earth demonstrating the uniqueness of relationship with God as Father. He was showing them how it could be. He was showing them the only religion ever in which God comes down to meet us where we are. He's truly an awesome God in every sense of the word. You know, the sinners being referred to here in Luke 15 were Jews, but they were Jews who were not observing the law or the tradition of the elders, and they were therefore outcasts in Israel. The leaders were not the slightest bit interested in them. They only had time for those who were keeping the laws and looking up to them. Jesus had already made it clear that he had come for sinners and not self-righteous people like the scribes and the Pharisees. He had come to earth to win them, to bring them salvation and redemption. And he can show them the love the Father God has for them. If you read later in Luke 5, 27 to 32, it's the story there of Jesus calling Levi from his tax booth to follow him. And he says, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Or read Luke 14, verses 21 to 24, and you see there the story of the man who prepared a great banquet and he invited his, his friends and his own people but, you know, they didn't come because they'd other things to do. They just didn't want to attend. And so he opened up the invitation to others. And those people he'd first invited, they were banned forever. There's a message in there. Jesus came to give the Jews and the Gentiles, that's us, access to God. if They would just accept him. And that means anyone and everyone, no favourites, all can know him and be part of what he offers. Instead, the Jewish leaders wanted status and they wanted religion. They didn't want relationship and so they hated him and wanted nothing to do with him to the point where they had him killed. Ah, but to those. And I'm so glad to know a good number of Jews who are calling on God and have him as Messiah and Lord in their lives. But back to Luke chapter 15 and our two verses. There they were muttering and accusing. What was Jesus' reaction to their criticism and hatred? Well, he tells stories. He tells parables to give them three clear examples about God's great desire to reach sinners, those who are lost. He tells them about a lost sheep and then a lost coin and then a lost son. And these parables show his love and his compassion for those who are lost. You know, the Jewish leaders had not a shred of compassion in them. They wanted people obeying their rules and their orders 
not loving others and going after them to save them. What did they care if people were lost in the process? Not one job. But Jesus was entirely different. So I would like if we could just stop and have a look at some of the reasons for why Jesus acted as he did and why that gave the religious leaders cause for concern and why they could never recognise him as the longed-for Messiah, although he fulfilled every attribute foretold in Scripture. And then finally, fourth point, what is he saying to us today in 2020 in the middle of this virus which sees us unable to venture too far from home, unable to visit each other and unable to meet together as a whole church body? So here's my four points. First of all, Jesus was a man, no status, no position, an ordinary man. Secondly, although he was a man, he was different from sinful men. And then number three, he spent his whole life reaching out to sinners. And finally, he needs us to carry on his work in winning lost souls for God. So consider it with me. Jesus was man. The leaders of the day said, this man, when, point, when they spoke of him in verse 2 of Luke 15. They were pointing out the ordinariness of this man. That's not what they were looking for. They, they didn't want someone who was just ordinary and working class and, and nothing special. But in Galatians 4, 4-7 it says, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you're a son, God has made you also an heir. The Jewish leaders weren't looking for an ordinary man, although their scripture clearly said the birth of Messiah would be from a virgin birth. They were waiting for an extraordinary being, a king or a prince at least. They weren't looking for an ordinary working class man. Well, Isaiah 9 and 6 says he's coming as a son, he's coming as a child. And, and it says there, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus was everything ever spoken of in the Old Testament, but they did not stop to consider this could be their much longed for Messiah. God knew exactly what he was doing. He had it all mapped out from the beginning of time. Jesus had to be human because as an ordinary man, he enters into our situations. He enters into our pain. He understands our difficulties. He's been where we are. He knows what it is to be human. Look how he knows about humiliation as a man. In Philippians 2, 5 to 7, it says there, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Read later Matthew 4 or Luke 4 because they both give the same story. And you read there about Jesus being tempted by the devil, 
but remaining faithful to his calling. He knows all about what it is to be tempted and he shows us how temptations can be overcome. Jesus was a man who knew what it was to get tired and thirsty. I want to read you some of this one. It's in John chapter 4 and I'll read you verses 6 and 7. This is Jesus travelling from Judea back to Galilee and he went through Samaria, something the Jews would never do because of their hatred for the Samaritans. They would have gone the long way round, no matter the distance it would have added to their journey. They weren't going in buses or cars. Verse 6 says, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? You can read the rest of it later. I know you know it well. This is a woman whose life is completely turned around from this encounter with Jesus Christ. Remind yourself of the story which shows God is interested in everyone, not just the Jews. Here he was speaking and offering life to a Samaritan woman who was a real sinner. We see the man Jesus though, tired and thirsty, but still taking on the evangelistic opportunity as it presents itself on the way. We have to be open to finding those opportunities in the context of everyday life, just in the way that Jesus did. I'm always so blessed when I hear Eddie speaking to someone as they've crossed his path. Does he get more opportunities to talk about Jesus? I kind of expect not. He just takes each one as it comes. I don't know about you, but I really need to get much better at finding those opportunities to tell others of my love for my Saviour and the difference he makes in my life, and then what he can do for them too. Too often I listen to the lie that's whispered in my ear, no one's interested. You know, many people are interested in finding the answer to the big questions in life. They maybe haven't considered Jesus because no one has introduced him to them. There are many people just waiting to know about the one who could set them free from addiction, from sins that ensnare, from just how it is to be in their lives. Let me read to you Isaiah 53 and verse 3. Do you know, this is the chapter that Jews never want you to share with other Jews because it just talks about Jesus all the way through. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Selwyn Hughes wrote of this verse, The problems on the surface of our lives may have different wrappings, but deep down in our hearts, the pain we experience has the same labels. Hurt, sadness, grief, emptiness, despair, disappointment. The problems in our world lead to pain in the heart, and it's that pain, whatever its label, that Christ has touched somewhere on the journey between his birth and his death. I am so glad my Jesus was fully man as well as fully God. He knows all about what it is to be a man. He enters into our humiliation, into our temptation and fatigue and thirst and sorrow. He was a man, but he was a very different man from other men because there was absolutely no sin in him. You know, this man, this is my second point, he was different from other men. He had no sin in him. He was a godly man but he completely understood the sinners he encountered. 
He welcomed sinners because he knew they were the people who needed help and they were open to receive his leading. They had no preconceived ideas, they had no pretense. They could see this man was different and they wanted to hear him. They followed him so that they could hear him because they wanted to allow him to make the changes they needed to fulfil their lives. He was different in so many ways. He spent time with God, but he gave himself to people. He responded to people. He taught them. He loved them. He was different in the relationship he had with God as his father. He was different in the way he overcame all temptations. He was different in the way he obeyed whatever God asked him to do because his main focus, his intent, was on doing Father God's will. He was different from the religious leaders because he was genuine and completely without sin. Listen to what Hebrews 7, 24-28 says. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once and for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. That's our Jesus, perfectly man, but no ordinary sinful man. He had everything in his life completely in control. He was a big problem for the religious leaders because he offered a whole new alternative to men coming to know God. Their countless rules and rituals had no place in the, in the Jesus way. His way was totally about relationship and about peace and about love. God's purpose in sending Jesus and Jesus' purpose in coming to earth was always about saving lost sinners. It was rooted in love for all mankind, not just for a chosen few. You know, God must have watched the progress of one civilization after another, knowing that one day the world would be ready to receive the gift of his son. I often wonder why at that particular time, but when you look at it, the Romans had built roads that would carry his message to the ends of the world. The Greeks had supplied a language that was a universal medium of communication. The Jews had kept alive the traditional faith. And so when we look, we see at this junction point of history that God rolled back the window of night and a little bundle of life moved in a crib in Bethlehem. And the greatest mystery of the ages took place. God became a baby and lived among us to show us the true meaning of love through what he is. He is perfect love. The Jewish leaders were right when they said, this man eats with sinners, welcomes sinners, receives sinners. And you know what? Praise God, he still does today. So Christ spent his whole life reaching out to sinners. Number three. His mission in coming to earth was to bring lost sinners to himself. He made himself like them so that he could come and be one among them and show life could be so different in knowing Jesus. 
Luke 19 and 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Jesus saw what these sinners, these people, really were. They were sheep without a shepherd. They were lost coins who needed value and to be put back into circulation. And they were lost sons who needed to be held tight by their father. His mission is still the same today. He's still looking for the lost. He still receives sinners. Hallelujah. John 6 and 37 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. He longs for sinners to come to him. That's ordinary people who just do wrong things from time to time. It doesn't mean that you have to be a murderer or, 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 or a great thief. It just means that you're an ordinary person who gets it wrong. Revelation 3 and 20 is very clear. It says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. He's a very different way of doing this since Jesus left his disciples to carry on his work when he ascended to heaven. They passed that work on to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation until it reached us because people will only see Christ and his love for them through his people. It's amazing. But finally, where does that leave us? His church, his people, at this time, when some are unable to leave their homes, when we can't visit other homes, when we're all kept away from loved ones and families to some degree or another, when we're all unable to meet together for church, to worship together. Well, I've got news for you. His plan is not altered. It's still the same. He needs us. He needs you. And he needs me. It's still God's plan to bring sinners to redemption, to welcome them, to eat with them, to drink with them, to build relationship with them. And he still has only one way of doing that, us. So it's vitally important that we listen to him and we pray and we share his good news, even in this season when we need to think creatively about doing so. I am thrilled about the One Name initiative. It's a great way to pray for one Bonessian for a year. We can all do that. We can all hold up one name, one person, every day for one year. Imagine if all those one names became new believers over this coming year. There are many ways we can share Jesus with others. We can do online chats with family and friends. We can send a card or a note. We can be praying for God opportunities, the chances to do some good in the community while we're able to say we do it because we love him and he loves people. There are many ways that you will think of for yourself. There are countless ways. If we're willing and go looking, he will send the opportunities. Ask Eddie. People are fearful just now. They're very anxious. They're asking questions. They are open to hear of a God who loves them. God still loves and seeks sinners. So my question this morning to you is, will you join him in reaching out to sinners every day? Amen. God shows how to welcome sinners and shows us people that he has his hand upon, that he would show us the way to reach into lives and portray Jesus in a genuine and a personal way. May God bless you and give you many opportunities. This man is always looking for sinners 
and they're welcome and with him, but they're welcome with us too. May God bless you today and always.